0: Well, good morning. It is good to have each and every one of you here with us. We thank you for being here. We're excited about all the folks that are worshiping with us, whether it's at our Colonial Heights campus, our Midlothian campus, or those who join us uh, by way of the Internet. We're happy that each one of you are with us. I am going to venture a guess this morning. I'm going to guess that I have something that not very many of you, if any of you, have. I have a written warranty on my spouse. Anybody else got that? Okay, in the interest of full disclosure, it's not a head-to-toe, bumper-to-bumper warranty. What I actually have is a warranty on the implanted defibrillator that's connected to her heart. You know, here's the heist. We believe life is better connected. And for my wife, that's definitely the case. But, uh, so it's not a full warranty, but it is a warranty. Nevertheless, when, uh, after she had her first surgery, they brought all the paperwork and everything in it. And, uh, the nurse handed me things and said, here's the warranty on your wife. So I have a warranty. We like warranties, don't we? They, they make us feel a little bit better. In fact, that's what, uh, car dealerships and appliance stores count on when they're trying to sell us, you know, upsell us to the extended warranty on their products. In fact, I think they carried a little too far in some cases. I went the other day and bought a new mouse for my computer, and I found a really good deal, and I bought a mouse for $5. Well, I got up to the cash register, and the cashier is ringing it up, and he asked me a question. He says, do you want an extended warranty on that? The extended warranty costs $7.99. I told him, I said, you know, I'm pretty sure if it makes it to my car without breaking, I'm, I'm good. I've gotten my money's worth out of it. But there's some companies that uh, really do an outstanding job and are known for their warranties. I put a few of them up for you this morning. One is the Duluth Trading Company. You've seen their ads, but they've got the no bull guarantee. And as it goes on to say, if you're not 100% satisfied with any item you purchase from Duluth Trading, return it to us at any time for a refund of its purchase price. Simple, unconditional, no nonsense, no bull. And then I found another good one this week, the Darn Tough Sock Company. Here's their guarantee. I'll, and it actually starts earlier than this. They actually say if You put these socks on, and they're not the most comfortable socks you've ever had in your life. You can return them. But look, I like this part of it. If you were able to wear out a pair of darn tough socks, we'll replace them. At any time, just package the socks up, fill out the form, and send it to the appropriate address. We will send you a brand new pair. That's a pretty good deal there. Then there's an umbrella company, David Umbrellas. And they said they're made to endure over many years with proper use. If at any time you find any defect in the material or workmanship or the umbrella should fail to function properly, we will gladly repair or replace it at no charge. Now, for me, I need one more thing in the warranty. If you left your umbrella somewhere, just tell us and we'll send you another one free of charge. I don't wear them out. I just forget them. Okay, one of my favorite warranties comes from the Pelican company. They, they make cases, protective cases. And this is directly off of their sticker that's on their products. Pelican's legendary lifetime guarantee of excellence. That sounds good, doesn't it? And It is. It's a good warranty. Pelican guarantees its products for a lifetime against breakage or defects in workmanship. But Now let's look at the very end of their guarantee. The above guarantee does not cover shark bite bear attack, or children under five. (laughs) I'm thinking the writer of that either has a good sense of humor or a child under the age of five or both. But warranties, well, they don't always live up to their promise, do they? They don't always work out for us. We have been kind of looking over the last couple of weeks at the thought of what happens, how do we respond when our life is off course? And you think about it, it'd be nice to have a warranty on our lives, wouldn't it? I mean, besides the one that nothing's certain but death and taxes. We got that one, but wouldn't it be nice to have a warranty? Well, we really do. It's God's lifetime warranty. do not you take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at a verse that's familiar to most of you, many of you. But it's God's lifetime guarantee for our lives. Romans 8.28, Paul writes, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to To his purpose. Let's bow in prayer for just a moment. God, would you speak to our hearts today. Whatever situation we faced in the past week. Whatever circumstances we're dealing with in our lives, Lord. However our lives may perhaps seem off course, Lord. Or out of focus. Father, may you speak to us today. Father, may your word touch our hearts. May your word bring us hope, assurance, and strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God's lifetime guarantee. Let's look at that guarantee a little bit. Let's kind of uh, you know, break it down, deconstruct it a little bit, and see what it actually says to us and teaches us today. First, in that passage of Scripture, in that guarantee, we see the certainty of it. Paul says, we know. He doesn't say, well, I think, I hope, I wish. He doesn't even say, we see God at work. Because sometimes in the moment, we don't see it, do we? Sometimes in the moment, we don't understand what is going on in our lives. But as Christians, we are called to sometimes stand when we can't understand. To step out in faith and trust when it really doesn't seem to make any sense to us. But he says we know. It's certain. Well, how do we know? Well, we know first based on God's character. Some of you have heard it said of verbal contracts. They're not as good as the paper on which they're written. And some of you will get that later. But with any kind of guarantee, sometimes we just don't believe it because the person making the guarantee is someone we don't trust. But this guarantee is based on the rock of God's character. One of the first Prayers that many of us learn began with these phrases, God is great and God is good. Folks, there's a whole lot of theology in those two little statements. God is a great God and God is a good God. And we base our certainty On God and His character and His goodness. But we also base our certainty and know because of our experience. You see, once you experience something, nobody has to prove it to you. In fact, John Keats said that nothing becomes real until we experience. Before that, it's just in the abstract. But when we experience, it becomes real in our lives. As I was thinking about the experiences that make this truth real. The experiences that enable us to know for certain that God works. I was drawn to one particular event in my life. It is one that I have shared with many of you before. Some in small groups. I've even shared it in the bigger worship experience. But it is the moment in my life that may be one of the most transformational moments I've ever had. More than any other moment in my life, I think it is a moment that helps me to know, to be certain about who God is and what He's doing. So for those of you that have heard this before, please indulge me as I share it again because I could not get away from it. I tried to think of some others that, well, I think of some experiences I haven't used before as an illustration, but God brings me to this. This is the one for me. My mom was an amazing lady of faith and service. She served as a nurse for over 50 years. Fabulous woman of God. In her lifetime, she spent over 30 years battling cancer. I can't tell you the number of surgeries she had, just one right after another after another. Then add into that all the different rounds of chemo and radiation that she went through in those 30 years. In the latter months of her life, she also developed dementia. She spent the last several months of her life in the hospital. For most of that time, she did not know us when we came. Did not know that anybody was even in the room with her. The last few weeks, she just laid in the bed, moaning occasionally. But near the end... I was sitting in her room, and she suddenly sat up in bed. Something that she hadn't done in weeks, maybe even a couple of months. And she turned and looked at me, and she said, Mike, isn't Jesus good? And she laid back down and never spoke again, passing away a few days later. If you've experienced something, nobody has to prove it to you. She knew, and I know, the promise is certain. But not only is it certain, we need to see in this passage that it is complete. It says, in all things. Now, as a minister of the gospel, as a preacher, as a student of God's word there are times when sometimes I feel the need to really take us down in depth into the original language and into the parsing of sentences and and all that goes into the Greek in this case and, and help you to understand what it was he was saying in the first century, that how that translates into what we need to understand in the 21st century. And so I want to do that this morning with that little word All. What did Paul want us in the 21st century to understand about the word all? And it is this. It means all. That's it. You don't have to be a Greek scholar. You don't have to be. You just have to know all is all. He didn't say most of the time, some of the time, every once in a while. He said all things in everything, 100% of the time, God works for good. So that takes us to a couple of things. First one is the easy one, and that's this. Pleasant experiences equal good. Now that's not too hard for us to get, is it? Good equals good. My third grade teacher, Ms. Bagwell, used to get on us and tell us, you can't define a word by using the word itself. So she would not like that sentence. Good is good. But it just sums it up, doesn't it? Most of us in this room have experienced an abundance of good things in our lives. And let's be honest, we don't usually question them. We don't ask too much about them. We just enjoy them. We don't have a problem with the concept of that God uses the good things in our lives for our good. I mean, that just, that's a no brainer. So we don't need to spend a lot of time on that. But we need to spend time on the other side of it. Because, remember, it said all things. So it's not just the pleasant experiences. But he says to us, the painful experiences equal good. And that's tough. That's tough for us to grasp. That's tough for us to wrap our heads around We don't get that. I mean, I understand good equals good, but now he's saying bad equals good? That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how God does that. I want you to notice something in the passage of Scripture. I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that we know how God works in all things for those who love Him. What it says is this. We know that God works. We don't know how all of this works, but we know that it does. That's our faith. That's our experience. That's where we stand, even when we don't understand. You see, I, I don't know how a holy and a perfect God can love an unholy sinner like me. But I'm sure glad He does. And I don't know exactly how He takes all of the painful experiences and makes them good. But I, I know that He does it. I see examples of it. I've seen it in my own experience and I see it in His Word. Let me give you a biblical example. Joseph. Joseph. In the Old Testament. Now for those of you that are familiar with the story. Let me just kind of jog your memory a little bit. And at the same time. For those of you who may not be familiar with the story. Let me kind of fill you in on some of the details. Joseph was one of many brothers. And his brothers became jealous of him. Some of it of his own accord. But they. When he was a teenager. They attacked him. Beat him up. Threw him into a pit with the intent of killing him later changed their mind and decided to sell him into slavery. So they sold him to this traveling uh, caravan that was coming by who took him as a slave into Egypt. In Egypt, he became a slave in the household of Potiphar. And while he was a slave in the household of Potiphar, he was falsely accused of sexual abuse, and he was thrown into prison where he was forgotten about. Now... Pretty much all of us in this room would agree that's bad, 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 bad. Just a series of bad things. But God brought Joseph through all of that and out of that to make him the second most powerful man in the kingdom. And later on in his life, he would say to those very brothers, what you meant for harm, God Meant for good. See, out of all of those painful experiences, Joseph could look at it and say, God did good. And so we don't know the how of all of it. How God works that and what he does. We don't know what's going on in in the background of any experience and event that's in our lives. But the Bible says, in all things. So there is the certainty of the guarantee. There is the completeness of the guarantee. And then there is the compassion of the guarantee. Now, I am of the age that when I came along as a kid in church and we were uh, being required to (laughs) memorize Scripture, we memorized it all in the King James. And some of you are in that same age group and you memorize the King James right along with me. And so we memorize this verse in the King James. And it says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. But you know what? Things don't work together for good. During the night, While you slept. Your refrigerator and your shower didn't sit up and plan how they could make your day better for you. Your garage door opener and your automobile didn't plot out. Let's see how we can make this a great start to the day for Mike. Now things don't do that. And that's why I chose the NIV today. And I could have chosen several other versions that kind of give the same emphasis. But again, listen to what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. See, it's God who works, not things. In fact, I've discovered that my things usually give me more problems than they do help. But God works in our lives. For our good. Now, a couple of things we need to understand as we think of that process of what God is doing and how God is working. And the first of that is this Not everything that happens in life is good. This verse is not telling us that no matter what happens, whatever comes in your life, you're not, you don't go whoopee, yay, goody. No. Not everything that happens is good. There are some of you in here today who are dealing with cancer. Cancer is not good. There are some of you in here today who are struggling with separation and divorce. That's not good. There are some of you in here who are victims of abuse. That's not good. You see, Paul is not trying to tell us in this thing that everything that happens is good. He's not living in some kind of glass bubble or some Pollyanna world. He doesn't have his head stuck down into the sand. No, he knows. And I know. And you know. That bad things happen. Not everything is good. But what Paul wants us to understand in the process is the God who created this world, who created us, is a great God who can bring good out of bad situations. And that's the second truth we get out of this portion here as we think about God at work. God is putting together everything for our good and for His glory. Some of you remember that Kind of the thing to do for many, many years for churches and for civic organizations was to publish a cookbook. Anybody ever, any ever got a church cookbook from anywhere? Yeah, some of our folks do. Uh, this is one from a church where I was interim pastor many years ago. Uh, they did the cookbook about that time and they gave me a copy of it. So shout out to Shiloh Baptist Church down in Carson. Woo-hoo. Great cooks in that church. I want to read you a recipe that I picked up up out of this book. I picked this one just because I know how good it is. I've had it. But let me share some of the ingredients that go into a five-flavor pound cake. And just mouth's already watering, right? Okay. One-half cup of solid white shortening. How many of you can't wait to just grab a spoon and dig into that cup of shortening? No, that's nasty sounding when you think about it like that. Okay, three cups of all-purpose flour. Who wants to choke down three cups of dry flour? Five raw eggs. Okay, I know Rocky did it in the very first Rocky movie, but I think most of us would pass on that. None of those things seem so appealing. In fact, even something like sugar. We like sugar, don't we? Three cups of sugar. Again, who wants to try to choke down three cups of sugar all by itself? But, but, if you take all of the ingredients that are here, and there are more, but if you take all the ingredients that are here, and you put them together just right, And then bake it for one and a half hours at 325 degrees. You come out with something amazing. That's how God's working in our lives. He takes the things. The good things and the bad things. The sweet things and the bitter things. And he brings them all together and brings out something amazing on the other side. That's what Scripture's talking about. That's what he's telling us. That God's going to take all of that and work in it in a way that we can't even imagine. But Paul tells us of the certainty of the guarantee. He tells us of the completeness of the guarantee. He tells us of the compassion that is a part of the guarantee. But before we leave it, there's one more thing. We need to understand that the warranty is conditional. For we know in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. See, most guarantees, most warranties have some limits on them. But not many times you'll find a darn tough sock company that says no questions no matter what. For instance, Say you went out and bought a really nice big screen HD TV to go on your houseboat. Okay, I know you need the houseboat first. But you got, let's assume you got that. So you go ahead and buy the TV. Well, you get out on the lake and you realize for some reason your anchor's not on the boat. But you got this nice big heavy TV you just bought. And so you tie a rope around that, toss it over the side, use it as an anchor for a while. then it gets towards evening and you decide you want to watch TV, so you haul it up, set it up, plug it up. Guess what? It's not going to work. And you better not take it back to the store the next day because they're going to tell you right up front, you violated the warranty. You didn't use it like it should. There was limits to it. And there are limits. Limits. In God's guarantee. Because you see, you can't live your life apart from God. In rebellion of Him. Doing your own thing. And then try to use the guarantee. It's not like the get out of jail free card in Monopoly. You don't get to pull it out and play it when it suits you. Now Paul says there are parameters to this guarantee. It is those who love Him who are called according to His purpose. And he says, if you are inside those parameters then you have access to the guarantee. Well, how do we know if we're inside those parameters? Well, God says, ask yourself a couple of questions. Do you love God? Do you love God? See, God's desire for us is to have a personal relationship with Him. He wants us to have a passionate love for Him. And He says, do you love me? That's that's one of the parameters there. Well, how, how do we know? How can we kind of see and think about whether we love Him or not? Well, He actually in Scripture gives us several places where we can kind of use these little tests. One's in 1 John chapter 4. He says, He who does not love his brother who he has seen cannot love me whom he has not seen. Do you love others? Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Are you obeying his commandments? So he just gives you a little insight into where you are in your relationship with God. Do you love him? And then the second question he asked is, do you long to be like Jesus? It says, to those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? Well, we find that in verse 29. In the next verse, His purpose is for us to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. God's purpose is for you and me each day to become more like Jesus I've heard people say, well, I'm just trying to be the best me I can be. And in fairness to them, I think what they're talking about is I'm not trying to be like that person or that person. I'm trying to be me. But, you know, God doesn't want us to be the best me we can be. He wants us to be like Jesus. And it's as we become more and more like Jesus that we do become the best me. So do you love God? Do you long to be like Jesus? If so, then you're inside those parameters and you can lay claim to the guarantee. But let me be honest with you. That doesn't mean that only good is going to happen in your life. That doesn't mean that everything is going to be good. There are going to be Hard times, there are going to be bad times, there are going to be times of struggle, and there, as we said earlier in the sermon, there are going to be times when you're just going to have to stand even though you don't understand. You're just going to have to live in faith sometimes and know the guarantee is there. For we know in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and are called According to his purpose. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We are so thankful that we have a loving God. And that while we can't understand how you could love us enough to send your son, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you did. Father, we ask you to speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen.